Thank you, Lord. We love you. We love you. We love you. All right, so I want you to stay engaged. We're going to jump into the word this morning. It must be a little bit different. I'm going to have them keep on playing, and we're going to jump right back into worship. But I've got some declarations for us today from the word of God, talking about abundant life, talking about the promises of God. So I need you to engage with me. We're going to keep the lights turned all the way like they are. I need you to engage with me. We're talking about the gospel of the kingdom. We're in the middle of this series talking about the gospel of the kingdom and what is the gospel of the kingdom. And one piece of the gospel of the kingdom is this tremendous abundance that Jesus promises us. Amen? So John 10, 10, one of my absolute favorite scriptures that I, 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 in high school, I just meditated on this all the time. It says, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Amen? Jesus says, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you can have life and have it abundantly. The Amplified Version says, the thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. And I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full until it overflows. That's what Jesus wants for you. That's what the Father wants for you. The Passion Translation says this, a thief has only one thing in their mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. Amen? I'm going to read it again. The thief comes. He has one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I've come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. Amen? Hallelujah? Amen. This is what Jesus' heart is for you. This is what he desires for you. And this is all throughout the entire Bible. If we look at all sorts of places, but Deuteronomy 28, it says this, and if you faithfully obey the voice of God, being careful to do all of his commands that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Raise your hand if you want to be overtaken by blessings of the Lord. Amen. Let it be, God. I want to be overtaken by the blessings of God. What are the blessings of God? Verse 3, it says, Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field, and blessed shall be the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of the cattle, the increase of your herds, and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket." and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way, but they're going to flee seven ways. The Lord will bless you in the land that the Lord your God has given you, and the Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself as he has sworn to you. If you keep the commands of the Lord your God and you walk in his ways, and all the peoples of the earth will see that you are called by my name, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will make you abound in prosperity, in the fruit of your womb, in the fruit of your livestock, in the fruit of your ground, within the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasury, the heavens, to give you rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hands. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And you shall only go up and not down if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and you be careful to do all of them. Amen? Who wants to be overtaken by the blessings of the Lord? This is his desire for you. This is his heart for you. This is what he wants for you. This is the kingdom of the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom. This is what he's talking about. Again, in Psalms 91, this scripture's carried me for years and years and years. It says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High, they're going to rest in the shadow of the Almighty. 
And I will surely say of the Lord, he is my refuge, he is my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover over you with his feathers and under his wings you're going to find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it's not going to come near you you amen you will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked if you say the lord is my refuge and you make him your most high your dwelling no harm is going to overtake you no disaster will come near your tent for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways and they're going to lift you up in their hands so that you won't even strike your foot against the stone you're going to tread on the lion and the cobra you're going to trample on the great lion and the serpent and god is going to say because he loves me I will rescue him and I'm going to protect him for he acknowledges my name and he will call on me and I will answer him and I will be with him in trouble and I will deliver him and honor him and with long life I'm going to satisfy him and show him my salvation. Amen? Raise your hand if you want the Lord to say that about you. Because he loves me, keep your hand up. The Lord says, I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to protect you because you acknowledge my name. I'm going to call, when you call on me, I'm going to answer you. And I'm going to be with you in trouble. I'm going to deliver you. And I'm going to honor you. And with long life, I'm going to satisfy you and show you my salvation. Hallelujah. The Apostle Paul says it again in Ephesians 1, verses 3. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Amen? Blessed, the word is past tense. It doesn't say who will eventually bless you in the heavenly realms. He says Jesus already blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Amen? It's already been done. You already have all the blessings of the kingdom of God. Amen. Knock that crap out of here. Just kidding. You've been blessed. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on you with all wisdom and all understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth and under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined in accordance to the plan who works everything out in conformity with the purpose of his will. <sighs> Amen? So these are his blessings. This is his heart. This is his desire for you. This is what he's laid out for you and said, come and enjoy. This is the kingdom of God. This is the gospel of the kingdom. Come and be blessed. Come into my family and be a part of it. But it's your choice to come into it. But I want to take a turn this morning. Normally on Easter, I love to teach about how Jesus became the Lamb of God in the physical flesh, right? And I love to walk through the pieces of the Passover and everything that Jesus did to pay for our sins on the cross. Because it's the, the most amazing story in the whole universe. But I really felt clearly this week, I was not to do that. This week, the Lord had a message for many people in the room. Because as amazing as these blessings are, as amazing as these promises are, 
A lot of us have claimed them and not experienced what the Lord's talking about. And so how do we reconcile these amazing promises about life in the kingdom of God with real life when stuff happens, when the stuff hits the fan? Right? How do we reconcile these blessings of the kingdom of God in the midst of a former youth who's loving Jesus, serving him, gets in a car crash and goes brain dead and he dies? How do we reconcile these amazing promises of God? It's not going to come near you. Yeah. And then my spiritual hero, Floyd McClung, gets hit by a freak infection and he, he becomes a vegetable and he remains that way maybe till the day he dies. How do we reconcile these things? The word of God is true. But the, the things we experience in life are true as well. Some of you guys in the room, you're like, I can't, I can't claim it. Like, I can't even say the words out loud. I just lost my job. I, I don't have any money. I, I have debt piling up. I have friend issues and family issues, and I have pain in my body. I don't get it. I can't say the promises of God. So how do we reconcile these two worlds clashing together? And this is the word of the Lord for us today. I feel like the Lord said, blessings of God are yes and amen. And these are the very words that created the heavens and the earth. And they will never pass away. And they were always true. If you don't know them already, you need to claim them in your life. But also, how do we reconcile? I think the Apostle Paul, he says it perfectly in Philippians chapter 4. Paul lived the abundant life. He met with Jesus face to face in a radical encounter that changed history forever. He lived the abundant life. He knew what it meant to be in plenty and to be in want. But he also mainly knew what it meant to be stoned and to be imprisoned and to have all of his friends leave him behind and still lay down his life to serve King Jesus, walking fully in the abundant life until the day he died and now, even now. So he says this in Philippians 4.11. He says, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want, because I can do all things through him who gives me strength. But how? How did he reconcile these worlds? How did he, he connect these two things? It's because Paul understood that he was fully in the life of flesh on the earth and at the exact same moment, fully in the heavenlies with Jesus, experiencing the abundant life. He says this in Ephesians 2, verse 6. He says, and God raised us up with Christ and he seated us in him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show his incomparable riches of grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works so that not one person can boast, for we are God's handiwork created in Jesus Christ to do God, good works, which God prepared for you to do in advance. Amen? So today, you are living in the kingdom of heaven. 
The gospel of the kingdom is not what you see with your five senses. The gospel of the kingdom is not the world of the flesh. That is the world of the devil. That's the world of the prince of powers. But the gospel of the kingdom is Jesus' kingdom. It's the kingdom of God in the heavenlies. And while you sit in this room today in the world of the flesh, you also, in your spirit, sit in the heavenlies with Jesus at the right hand of God. And you are able, if you choose to, to walk into the abundant life that God has for you. All of the promises of God for you in the heavenlies are yes and amen today. Amen? And so when life happens and you get smacked across the face and you look at things and you just think, oh my gosh, come on Jesus, where's the abundant life? Where's the blessings? Where's the goodness? Where's the favor? And here's what's confusing sometimes because you're in a war, right? You're in the middle of a war. The devil still is roaming around this room looking for people to devour and to destroy and to take things from you. One of my friends this last week, he was like, Grant, you won't believe it, but we are under major attack. Our dishwasher broke, our disposal broke, our washing machine broke, our dryer broke, our car broke, the door broke, and the floor broke all in the same week. (laughs) It's like, what? Are you kidding me? You're in the middle of a battle, you guys. Battle is not abundant life in the flesh. Now, where it gets confusing is because a lot of times there's collateral blessings that break through from one realm into the other. And all of a sudden, you're like looking around and you're like, hey, this is abundant life. Like there's favor everywhere I go. There's there's grace everywhere I go. Like everything I do is working. Man, like everything's peaceful. Things are good. And there's collateral blessings that crash in all the time. But still, you're in the middle of a battle and a warfare in the realm of the flesh. But you have to keep your eyes set on what the kingdom of God really is and what the promises of God really are. Paul, uh, the writer of Hebrews, in verse chapter 11, he talks about what this is, keeping our eyes before us. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we don't see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. By faith, Abel, he brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous. When God spoke well of his offerings, and by faith, Abel still speaks even though he's dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He couldn't be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And don't you know, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anybody who comes to God must believe that he exists, and you must fully believe that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Amen? If you want to please God, if you want to enjoy the abundant life, if you want more of that, you've got to believe he's real. You've got to believe that the kingdom of his world is real and that he loves to give you good gifts when you search him out and you earnestly seek him. Verse 7, by faith, Noah He was warned about things not yet seen. In holy fear, he built an ark to save his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteous that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go to the place he would later receive of his inheritance, he obeyed and he went, even though he had no idea where he was going. And by faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him in the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. God. that's it that's it 
That's what it's about. Looking forward. You can see the other realm. And by faith, even Sarah, who was way past her childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashores. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. And they only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on the earth. Do you get it? Can you understand it? The kingdom of the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom, the, the kingdom of God, it is all about seeing the other realm. That's why Jesus pounded all the time, for him who has eyes to see and ears to hear. That's why he invited you. If you want to enjoy the abundant life, you got to come and lay down your life for me. you got to serve me. And it's not going to feel like the abundant life in the flesh. But I promise you, this is what the abundant life is all about. This is where it happens. Verse 39. It says, These were commended for their faith, and yet none of them received what they had promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run the race of perseverance marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand on the throne of God. Amen? 12.28 says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that can't be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably and with reverence and with awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So the abundance in the kingdom of the gospel has very little to do with the fleshly realm. It has very little to do with your current circumstance in the flesh. But it has everything to do with the kingdom realm. And yes, there's collateral blessings that come if you fully surrender your life to Christ. But that is not the point. On this earth, you're in a battle. The devil's roaming around looking to kill, steal, and destroy. But to those who choose to fight the good fight of faith in the midst of the battle and not give up, they have the opportunity to receive the true abundant life. And they will be greatly rewarded in eternity for their efforts on the earth. Let it be, God. Let it be. So as we wrap up this morning, we're going to worship some more. I want this to be our prayers. Y'all stand up for me. I want this to be our prayers. Out of Psalm 16, 5, it says, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. I want all of us to look at the current circumstances of our life and to push them aside and to see with eyes of faith, to see the kingdom realm and to look at the Father and say, God, I don't care. You alone are my portion and my cup and you make my lot secure. Father, I look to you. You alone are my portion and my cup and you make my lot secure. Today's call as we worship the King of Kings on Easter is to come and lay it all down before God, to come and surrender to Him. If it, I don't know how long it's been, if it's been a week, if it's been a day, if it's been years, but today's the day to lay it all down again and say, Jesus, my life is yours. Anything you want from me, you gave everything to me, so I'm giving you everything back to you. I know that you've prepared things for me to do on the earth to advance the kingdom of God. And so whatever they are, wherever they take me, however much it costs, whatever you desire for me. Jesus, I'm going to give it all to you. I'm going to lay it all down to you this morning because you are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. 
And these are Jesus' own words in Matthew 10. It says, whoever finds their life is going to lose it. But whoever loses their life for my sake, they're going to find it. My call to you guys this morning is find your life in Jesus. Surrender it all again this morning. Lay it all down before him so that you can find the real abundant life that Jesus has for us. So we're going to open the altar. We're going to worship for a few more songs. And I want us to pour our guts out to the Lord. And one more time, surrender to him.